Welcome to Survive and Thrive, where Oklahomans reflect on COVID-19 and racism. Survive and Thrive is a 24-episode podcast series where our team will interview Oklahomans across a diverse spectrum as how to survive and thrive during the twofold crisis of the health and racial pandemics. Oklahomans are no stranger to tragedy. The state's history is checkered with traumas such as the Dust Bowl, Tulsa Race Massacre, Trail of Tears, and the Oklahoma City bombing. Out of those tragedies was born the Oklahoma Standard. Now, as the state once again grapples with hardship, this time with COVID-19 and racial heartache, we will hear from multiple Oklahomans who must once again learn to survive and thrive. We are your hosts, Carolee Langford and Brooklyn Wayland. Today, we are joined by Joy Gordon, who is the CEO of Dress for Success. In this episode, we will focus on the history of Oklahoma and how it relates to the current racial pandemic. Hi, Joy. This is Carolee Langford with Brooklyn Wayland. How are you? Hi, doing good. How are you? Doing oh, so good. So good. let's go ahead and yeah. just jump right in. But first off, things have been a little crazy and unpredictable right now. How have you been during this pandemic? Listen, I, you know, I think all of us have to remember that there will always be crises in our life. And yes, this one feels compounded by just an unpredictable year for a lot of reasons. It's an election year, we've got systemic racism, we've got the pandemic, but this too shall pass. So I'm trying to find the opportunity and the challenge, right? Yeah. And that's how you, that's how you lead. So can you tell us a little bit about your upbringing in Oklahoma? Sure. So I am, you know, it's funny, when I lived in Oklahoma, I proudly walked around and told people I was from New York. And then <laughs> when I moved back to New York, I proudly tell people I'm from Oklahoma. So I moved to Oklahoma when I was in my tween years. I was about 12. My mother's job transferred from New York. Uh, she worked for American Airlines. It transferred an entire, like, uh, accounting department to Tulsa, Oklahoma. So it's there that I was raised in my more formative years. As a teenager, I went to uh, Bishop Kelly High School, and then the only school I applied for, period, was the University of Oklahoma. Wow. So I was, I was pretty certain that that's where I was going to go to school, <laughs> clearly. Oh, yeah. And uh, so I did one application, and fortunately, they chose me. And so, um, so I spent my college years there and my time at the College of Law at the, um, in Oklahoma. And then upon graduating law school in 93, I moved back to New York to pursue a career in law. Wow, okay. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do now and a little bit about your journey of how you did how you came to do that so you know and I think my life for me has always been um, intentional and nothing is by accident and so when I first came to New York City having graduated from OU College of Law I landed a job as an assistant district attorney in the Bronx criminal court system and for those who love criminal law, for those who are, you know, in, in love with justice, that would have easily been a dream job for them. But for me, I had the journalism background. I thought I'd couple it with a law degree, and I really never saw myself practicing. I figured that I would, at some 
point in the near future, kind of like how I only applied to one college, <laughs> I would be a legal analyst, right? Okay. And so when I was getting out of, of law school, I said to my mentor at the time, when he asked me what did I want to do with my degree, I said I, I'd like to work for one of the major news networks and be a legal analyst. And he said, well, how would you get that job? And I said, well, I have my journalism degree coupled with my law degree. And he said, well, you haven't even been in a courtroom. Why would you be believable? And I thought, dang, I have to practice. So <laughs> I then found a job that I thought would give me as much experience in as little amount of time so that I could take that courtroom experience and translate it onto the big screen. Yeah. And, uh, and so I, I sought after a job back in New York, working with one of the best um, district attorneys in New York, um, African-American man, Rob Johnson at the time, was leading the Bronx criminal court system. And I worked for him. I was one of 400 assistant district attorneys in the Bronx County, period. So it just tells you how large the criminal justice prosecutorial offices is in New York City, with each office having like 400 lawyers. And although it was uh, baptism by fire, I had on any <laughs> given day 80 cases that I was, you know, literally juggling at any one time. It wasn't for me the dream job. It wasn't the job I wanted, and it wasn't the work that I thought would give me purpose. So I, not accidentally, but intentionally, stumbled upon Dress for Success one morning listening to the news, thought, what a great organization. I should surely donate a suit. And literally, from the time I got on the phone with the woman who had founded Dress for Success, I became a board member. Oh, and wow. from there, within a year, I left what I was doing to work in the basement of a church in New York City, running the local dress for success. And I did that for three years until the founder stepped down and I took over running dress for success worldwide. And I've been doing that for 18 years. So I've been employed with dress for success 21 years and the organization's been around for 22 Oh, wow. So can you kind of explain to listeners what exactly Dress for Success is and what you do? Yes, yeah, so we are a global nonprofit organization that really is focused on helping women not only land jobs, but keep jobs. And although we started in New York City some 24 years ago, we have moved the needle beyond um, America. So today we have 150 offices. Wow. in 25 countries around the world. Oh, my goodness. And our focus is ensuring that she has the, the esteem and the confidence to go into an interview so that she's dressed well. But really, it's about giving her the tools she needs to succeed in work and in life. So it's about financial literacy classes, health and wellness courses, leadership development, professional development tools. And so it really is not only about giving her the skill set she needs to succeed, but in some cases also upskilling her so that she can get better jobs and earn better wages and provide more for her family. So uh, so that's Dress for Success in a nutshell. We, we absolutely have two offices in Oklahoma. One is in Tulsa and one is in Oklahoma City. And I know that the University of Oklahoma, especially Gaylord College, works closely with the Dress for Success yes. Oklahoma City office. Yeah. I love that. That's great. So can you 
Tell me how you became so passionate about Dress for Success and how it serves Oklahomans. Yeah, I think my passion for Dress for Success is because I've always had a passion for helping what some people might call marginalized or disadvantaged or minorities. I've always had a passion for helping underestimated people. And so for me, people who might show up in those groups Really, what they are is underestimated. They have the potential. The the possibility is there. I just have to unleash it. And so working with women over the last 20-plus years has been my heartbeat. And realizing that if I could change her life, I have the opportunity uh, to change her children's lives as well. Hmm. And so it's about righting the wrong. It's about um, social justice. It's about... Um, giving women the tools they need to succeed and moving people out of poverty. And that's been my work for two decades. Wow. I love that. Yeah. So I want to talk about Oklahoma as a whole. They've gone through so many tragedies, whether that be like the Trail of Tears, the Tulsa Race Massacre, the Dust Bowl, the Oklahoma City bombing. How has that shaped the people of Oklahoma and how has it made them more resilient? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, there has definitely been tragedy after tragedy happening in Oklahoma, but there's also been some great growth happening in that uh, state as well. You know, I, I think what I what I have found is, to your point, that Oklahomans are resilient, right? Yeah. Um, it really is about being Oklahoma strong. And so, you know, there have been certainly things that have happened uh, throughout the history of Oklahoma that have been de- devastating and have uprooted people and have uh, changed the trajectory of people's lives. But it's, it's in those moments that when you're Oklahoma strong that you, you stay still and you try to recognize what's the learning from this and how do we be better as people. And so my hope is, is that through every tragedy, through every circumstance, Oklahoma just becomes that much more stronger. I know last year on the University of Oklahoma campus, there were incidences of racial injustice, I would say. Right. And uh, that truly, that was not unique to a 2019 incident. I mean, you know, you know Oklahoma is, is fit beautifully inside the Bible Belt, right? And so within that Bible Belt, there are people who hang very closely to their religious convictions and don't really want to see what's happening around them. They want to believe justice for all. And I really, I've always felt like justice can't be for all if it's not for for me or for anyone who looks like me, who's overcome things like me. And so... You know, maybe through these very difficult times that our country is going through, Oklahoma will pause and they will try to find their way to make Oklahoma stronger and better for all. That would be my hope. I think the university has beautiful leadership now, always had good leadership. I think the leadership of the University of Oklahoma is great leadership now. And I'm confident that under your your new president, those sorts of things, those sorts of tragedies, those sorts of injustices will be looked at and dealt with. And I, I want to believe that people in Oklahoma are good people. 
I, I know I loved every minute of living there. Yeah. And so I would just hope that um, at the end of the day, that uh, that resilience that's in Oklahoma will help overcome all of what Oklahoma has gone through. So let's talk about that racial upheaval that we are seeing today. How can Oklahomans be honest about our history, specifically when it comes to racial incidents, and how can we specifically grow and use that resilience to overcome that? Yeah, I mean, you've really got to look at where where it all stems from. Like, this is, yes, there's some, definitely some, some, some evils happening in the communities of color, but similarly, that happened in the Native American community throughout Oklahoma for many years. Right. And so I think it really requires people to start to have conversations, right? I think we are accustomed to Oklahoma because it's in the Bible Belt, because we lead with our faith to sweep things under the rug mm-hmm. and to put on a happy face and, and, and outwardly face that everything is okay and that we're good people and we treat people well. But it's the unconscious bias that we need to sit with and talk about. Right. And understand that intolerance is what it is. It, racism shows up in many ways, but oftentimes it's the both ignorance and intolerance that could, in fact, be corrected. And so, but it's a conversation. And I think what we need are, are you, young adults, to be at the forefront of having that conversation. And I think many of us, women like myself and people of my age, 50 and older, we need to start to listen and learn from you guys. So my hope is is that you will get it correct and right the wrongs that have happened over the many years in Oklahoma, because Oklahoma is a great place. So I kind of want to touch more on this idea of being Oklahoma strong. How, what does that mean to you specifically? Well, we had an incident that happened at Dress for Success in Oklahoma City at the very beginning of the pandemic. We had an office in Oklahoma City, had been serving clients, and then because of the the pandemic, we closed the office and we were working remotely. At the same time, the George Floyd murder happened, and Oklahoma City people were you know, literally quietly and gently protesting that injustice. And 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 or around the same moment, in the middle of the night, someone threw a Molotov cocktail at our building and burnt Dress for Success, Oklahoma City, to the ground. Mm. What I saw in Oklahoma Strong was that the community came together to build Dress for Success, Oklahoma City, back stronger and better than ever. The donations that flooded in came in in increments, $10 increments, $1,000 increments, $10,000 increments. That Oklahoma City wasn't going to let one person or a group of people burn their city down. In fact, they were going to come together to build it back up. And that's what Oklahoma Strong is about. We'll never walk away from tragedy. We will find a way to rebuild and make the organization stronger than it was before. The new Dress for Success Oklahoma City has a child care facility inside of it. We never had that before. It has a place that women don't have to worry about where do they put their child when they come to Dress for Success. They can bring their child with them. It has a resource center. It has a career center. It's twice the size. 
And the gentleman we found in Oklahoma City who heard about this tragedy through the news and through his contacts, he gave us that real estate five years rent-free. So that's Oklahoma City strong. So there's some really beautiful people in Oklahoma. And if, if a tragedy shows up on your front door, trust me, Oklahoma will come together to, to right the wrong. Once again, like you mentioned, Oklahoma is facing hardships with not only COVID-19, but also the racial upheaval that we're seeing today. What, what are you expecting from Oklahomans after this? Well, I'm just, I'm expecting Oklahoma to be better than it was before. Like, you don't walk away from this going back to business as usual. Yeah. Um, you don't go away from this thinking it's not my problem. That's something that happened in another state, in another city, and our issues aren't as bad as everyone else's issues. You can't not talk about this. You can't not make this your issue, too. And so I'd love to see how communities are going to come together in Oklahoma. I remember when I moved to Tulsa, Oklahoma, the city was literally divided by railroad tracks. Whites lived on one side of town and blacks lived on another. And although people have now blended and you have neighbors of all races, people are still living in a silo. Hmm. And so I'd like to see communities come together. I'd like Oklahoma, all of it, to be one community not separate communities because of your race or your socioeconomic status. So I think it really requires many conversations. It requires a lot of honesty. It requires people to talk about what their unconscious biases are. And it it requires all of us to start to peel back that band-aid that we've been holding around Oklahoma and allow the wound to open. That's the only way you can heal. Right? Yeah. Is allow the wind to open. So, but you got to be ready to talk about it. You got to be ready to push through it. And you got to be ready to be honest with how you feel and be ready to make change. And so that's my hope. That's my hope for Oklahoma. And that's what connects me to Oklahoma. It was a great place to grow up as a teen and as a young adult. And it's still my home. I might have left Oklahoma now some, you know, nearly 30 years ago. But that's my home. So, and, and, I, and I will continue to wish the best for it. Absolutely. So you talked a little bit about kind of not wishing for a new normal, but learning from what we can with our past tragedies. What do you think, I say this with quotes, what do you think a new normal might look like or should look like for Oklahoma? Yeah, well, the new normal, like... We won't know what the new normal is until it happens for, for us, sure. right? So what's going to shake out of what's going to shake out of all of these conversations, out of the tragedies, out of the things that have happened on campus, out of how people are feeling and willing to talk about it? I, you know, I think we've got to find a better way to make sure that all people feel equal and that we give people the ability to be their own light, right? So, I. My hope is is that at the highest level of the university, the conversations will start, that the instructors and professors and leadership will lead by example, that the students will find the campus and the, the state of Oklahoma as a place that's safe and that treats them with dignity and respect, and that uh, we just become honest 
with who we are as people and recognize that all of us can be better, all of us. And so, and it's in that honesty that I think the truth will prevail and we will be better as people and as community. So we've got a lot of new happening. We've got elections happening. You've got new leadership at the University of Oklahoma happening. You've, you've got a lot new going on. And I just hope that the young people on the campus and in the community stand up and let your voice be heard and be the change you want to see in the world. Like, don't expect it to happen around you. You must be the change you want to see in the world. Absolutely. Yeah, that's great. Now, I just want to ask one more thing. Is there anything else that we should have asked you or anything else you would love for our readers to know? You know, that, you know, like, I would say this, that, you know, when I left Oklahoma, I left expecting to do one thing with my life and, and fulfilling maybe a promise to my family, you know, being a lawyer or, you know, having degrees. I think I say to anyone, young or old, like, it's never too late to, to push the restart and to figure out, like, what your true purpose and your passion is. I was fortunate. I found it when I was pretty young, and I have fulfilled it. But we all have an opportunity to live a really good life, and that happens when you blend your passion and your purpose and, and live out your mission. So I feel like I've... I've done all of that. It started at Oklahoma. I got it from, you know, working on campus, being a resident advisor, and then being in charge of the university apartments, and then being the, you know, USA general counsel, and, and being afforded opportunity after opportunity after opportunity when I was growing up in Oklahoma. But I took that chutzpah and that grit, and I brought it to New York with me. And it's allowed me to really shape and change not only my own life, but other people's lives around me. And I think we all have it in us. We all have the possibility in us. So I just hope people continue to live their dreams. Well, Joy, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us today. We really appreciate you being here with us. I really appreciate it as well. Thank you, and I wish you guys the best. Continued success. That was a great conversation. I feel like I learned so much about her and... Wow. Like, actually, what an incredible woman. She has done so much throughout her life. Yeah, I mean, she she truly has. I think it was, like you said, incredibly courageous of her to, you know, it just shows shows her gumption. It just goes to show that she had the courage and she had the guts to only apply for a single college and get in and pursue the career that she thought she wanted to have but turns out it wasn't what actually made her happy and then she was lucky to like she said find her passion while she was still relatively young and I think that's just kind of a reminder to all of us that you know it's never too late to strive for who you want to be and what you want to do and then she was also talking about the Oklahoma standard and being Oklahoma strong and I think that that's, I think that as a state, Oklahoma can, Oklahoma has the potential to be in a place that we want to be and be, you know, the people that we want to be without, like she said, like she mentioned at the very end, kind of having a fake facade of, well, we just love everyone and 
we're this and we're that, but actually putting in the work to not just be that fake state. I don't like any of that at all. No, I I think that's something that's so unique about Oklahoma specifically and something that we've heard multiple times throughout this series already Yeah, is that grit and that desire to be better than they were yesterday. And I think that's so true for Oklahomans throughout history. And so it's really nice to hear Joy talk about that and kind of show how it's been embodied in her own life. Yeah, Brooklyn, I think you're right. I think that it kind of all goes back to Oklahoma just, we really need to acknowledge our history and acknowledge that it wasn't, you know, right now we just have such a pretty bow tied on top of our Oklahoma history. Mm -hmm. And some of the things that are now coming to light, I'm just now learning about some of our history that I feel like has been kind of hidden right from us like it wasn't until I was honestly in college that you know I learned the truth about the Tulsa race massacre and I think it would go a really long way like right now during this pandemic it's a time for Oklahoma to step back to look at the state to look at who we are and then to to learn from it yeah I I loved how she she gave that call to action at the end. She you did. Know, she talked a lot about how our generation, younger Oklahomans, it's our job to have these conversations and to work to ensure that we do become better and we do persevere through this. And I think that's something that's so refreshing to hear is that blatant call to arms for young Oklahomans to make a difference. Right. Yeah, I think so. I just... I know that it's going to be such a hard thing to do because, well, it goes without saying that a lot of things are easier said than done. But after what we're, what Oklahoma is currently experiencing right now, don't you think it's just, it's time that we actually take up that call to action? You know, instead of saying we need to do this, we need to do that. Well, let's put Let's put the action behind the words. For sure. Yeah, it's definitely not just a conversation. The conversation is the beginning. um, Right. And that has to be followed by action. Exactly. Exactly. All right, guys. I think that's all the time we have today. But thank you so much for tuning in to Survive and Thrive. On the next podcast, we will speak with Jean Rainbolt and Charlotte Linkard, two prominent Oklahomans, about how, as a state, Oklahoma can discover a new normal and what that might look like. You can find us anywhere you listen to your podcasts by searching Survive in OKLA. We are your hosts, Carolee and Brooklyn. Join us every Wednesday for new episodes. Also participating in this podcast project are Kimberly Burke, our manager, Jesse Smith, researcher and writer, and Sushan Fan, the social media coordinator, and Miranda Vondell Foster, our audio engineer. This podcast is presented by Gaylord News.